John, I've found your analysis of D'Angelo Russell over the years to be very measured, perhaps even kind. Um, <laughs> and that's probably justified by the fact that you you try to maintain a very realistic point of view. Uh, you try to recognize the good things that D'Angelo Russell can do on a court. Uh, he did have a very good shooting year this year. I can just be a jerk and say, uh, second year in a row, benched in the playoffs. What a waste of basketball player. Yeah, so you're right. I think we this is going to be a good yin and yang conversation here, Jim, um, for every fan because people, Wolves fans do get mad at me for not sort of just being as emotional as they are. And, and what I try to do in the middle of the storm is provide some sort of ballast for um, fans to either hang on to or jump off of. And it's, it's, it's up to them to do that. But, um, but I will say that I was really, really disappointed that D'Angelo went the way that he did with the Minnesota's holding me back comments because he didn't, I mean, he just didn't have to. And he still had a lot of fans here who appreciated his game, who understood that, yeah, I was frustrated with him because uh, he, you know, he couldn't come through in the playoffs against Memphis or, Um, maybe because he didn't play that great defense, you know, things like that. But I still think that overall among the fan base, there was a lot of really, you know, high appreciation for his shot making for the way that he came through in some big moments, like the Clippers playing game and, 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 and things like that. And I think that it's set up for him to leave here and to be welcomed back uh, when he comes back with another team with an ovation or um, with some appreciation and to play it the way that he did just opens up the floodgates for fans who I think are predisposed to want to be nasty. I mean, I just think that's the way that it is a lot of times nowadays um, in sports and it gives them a reason to be. And so when you say that you're being held back and then you fall flat in the biggest moment of the team's season, that that says something and that that justifies a lot of the schadenfreude that fans are sending his way right now. He didn't have to go down that road. He could have just said, hey, uh, didn't work out in Minnesota. Um, I'm, I'm here now. I'm a Laker. That's all I'm worried about. And I have a great opportunity and things are going great here. And instead he had to kind of throw some dirt on the Minnesota grave a little bit and it rubbed people the wrong way because they did see him come through in big moments here and they saw him really not deliver in big moments as well. And so when a player that is not bulletproof in terms of reputation and in terms of accomplishment tries to kind of deflect the blame toward the organization, even one as historically unsuccessful as the Timberwolves were, it's going to come back to bite him. And man, did it come back to bite him in this one because he was unplayable and Jared Vanderbilt was unplayable and Malik Beasley was unplayable. So for a lot of the angst about the trades that were made and, and what they gave up, Really, the only thing that the Wolves should be worried about or Wolves fans should be worried about right now is Walker Kessler and some of these picks that are coming down the road because all of the players, all of them, 
were just either okay or um or or so flawed that they couldn't play in the playoffs and i think like that's got to be sort of absorbed when you are evaluating some of the moves that have been made here I'm glad you said that because I felt all along that Minnesotans overrated a lot of these role players yes. because they had a good season last year. And I give Finch a lot of credit for helping them have a good season and putting them in the right roles and putting them in limited roles where they could survive. Um, they, you know, as you said, Vanderbilt, these guys were unplayable. They were either, either didn't play or they played poorly. So, which, and you mentioned the big name left in the trade, and that is Walker Kessler. I was talking to some, some Timberwolves fans, some media, media personalities yesterday who were like, God, Walker Kessler is better than Gobert. That makes the whole trade stupid to begin with. And I, I tend to, I don't know if I'm taking a more positive or a more nuanced look at it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, Walker Kessler is a really nice young player. He's better than I thought he was. I did not think that he should be a, a key some a key member of the Timberwolves. I might have underrated him. I might really end up eating those words, but I still think you're talking about somebody who has been the defensive player of the year in the NBA against a rookie who played well. Uh, am I am I underplaying the differences between them? Well, here. So here's what I'll say on that. Um, is first of all, let's let's break it down one little by little, uh, piece by piece. Last July, when this trade went down. And you're looking at all the pieces going everywhere and you're looking at what the wolves gave up and what they're getting back. There was not a soul who said, how could you give up Walker Kessler? Like just no (laughs) one did like that. No one did that. And that is so a lot of the, the, the hand wringing afterward is playing the results game because the Wolves really liked Walker Kessler when they drafted him. They thought that he had the potential to be a very good player in this league. No one thought he would have the year that he did. Not right away. Not. I don't even think that they ever thought that he would get to where he is already um, You know, in his full career. They thought maybe a nice piece off the bench to help you block some shots, grab some rebounds, you know, take some fouls against some of the tougher, the tougher bigs, and see what he kind of turns into. But... To see the, the the defensive menace that he became very, very quickly was a surprise to everyone. And so in that respect, you say, come on, guys, like you, you can't get too mad at that because you really didn't even know who this kid was and you didn't really care. All of the kind of angst was, how could you get rid of Pat Bev? How could you get rid of Vando? Like all this stuff. Um, so, so from that aspect, I agree, Jim, in terms of like, you know, um, you, you were giving up a player who was completely unproven, who you had no idea what was, you know, what, how he was going to turn out. And you were getting a proven commodity back. That was, and you know, the, one of the very best defensive players of his generation, um, could help you in so many areas that you needed help. And so from that aspect, it made sense to include him now where I think Wolves fans and, and any skeptics or, or, um, or uh, negative people about the trade is when you do look at it, you do have to play with re- results in some respect because Walker Kessler had a terrific rookie season. I, I will still say I don't think he had as good of a season as Rudy Gobert did um, just in terms of the overall impact on winning, but he had a terrific rookie season and he he projects to be a very good player over these next 10 years or more. Um, and 
because he has kind of taken off like a rocket out of the shoot and because Rudy did not play up to his standards this season and is making all of that money, the Wolves are in a very difficult position from a financial standpoint going forward and how they maneuver the salary cap and how they add to this team and how they make tweaks and adjustments um, to what they're doing here. And so um, there's no, I'm not telling Wolves fans to say that, Hey, this was actually a great trade and you should, you should recognize that because there are real issues that this team has to face and solve and, and figure out over the next couple of years. Um, And, and it's okay to be like, man, you guys had one, this great player who would have fit in and given you exactly what you needed for a fraction of the price, and you still would have had all your picks, and you still would have been able to to do all these other things. So that's that's justifiable, but it's just the people who are trying to portray as, oh, how could you give up Walker Kessler at all when no one was saying that in last July? That's a little bit disingenuous. Right. And in terms of, let me introduce the show that we'll keep going on this. This is the John Krasinski show. He's John Krasinski from The Athletic. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. Brandon Morton is our producer. This is TalkNorth.com. There's our Timberwolves and NBA show at TalkNorth.com. We have everything else covered. Lots of hockey, lots of football shows. Check out the Viking Update show as well. Outdoor content, variety content. Uh, Thanks for listening. We do appreciate it. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studio. Thanks to our longtime sponsors. Headflyer Brewing. TSR Injury Law, All Energy Solar, and Manscaped. We'll tell you more about them here in a second. Uh, and But it, you're right. It, the picks, it was a lot of picks to give up. Kessler ended up being better than you thought. In terms of players and bench, uh, they ended up with Kyle Anderson, Nas Reed, Torian Prince, uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, uh, Austin Rivers, Jay Mack, who didn't have a good year, but we didn't know he was, wasn't going to have a good year. And then even a couple of intriguing young guys in Moore and Minot who had, might have been something down the road. So they, they didn't need bench players. The bench players they traded, that's all fine. It's, as you said, it's Kessler, draft picks, and money. Yeah, and and look, there, there's romanticism about Bev, about Vando, about Beasley that I understand because last year was super fun. Like it came out of nowhere. It was a team that was easy to root for because they played so hard all the time. And I do think that there was a recognition among fans that maybe they played above their overall talent level, that just their kind of connectivity, the way that they, they, they played so hard and they fought for each other. That was all really endearing and it was super fun to watch. And especially in the cold light of this season, it's easy to look back at last year and be like, how could you break that team up? But you go one by one through the pieces that were broken up and Patrick Beverly played well for Chicago, did not play well at all for LA. um, But there was concern that, Hey, he's getting older and how much does he have left in the tank from a playing standpoint, he shot the ball really poorly. Um, he wasn't as good of a defender this year as he was last year with the Wolves. Part of that could be fit with the Lakers and the Bulls. Part of it could be age. We'll see about that. But um, he was a player who was a starter who they projected to eventually slide back into the second unit. And how would that transition work um, with the egos involved and everything? That that Those are all legitimate questions that they had. He turned out to play well for the Bulls, but certainly, you know, was 
just a, a fine player and and that's it. Um, they could have used some of his leadership. They could have used some of his accountability to beat some of the the lesser teams and and things like that. But from a just strictly on court production standpoint, um, he wasn't sort of what they were lacking. Uh, Malik Beasley couldn't hit a shot for the Lakers. Um, couldn't they? You look at that team that needed to outscore the Denver Nuggets and and needed to find a way to generate more and more offense to not get Malik Beasley on the floor at all tells you that he was really limited as a player that um that you know, he couldn't find a rhythm shooting he wasn't helping defensively um and that just completely unplayable and for a desperate team that needed something in that series against Denver to not even give him a shot i think says a lot about where Malik Beasley is as a player and his limitations. Jared Vanderbilt had a really good year, uh, played well for the Lakers in long stretches um, and and was a big part of sort of resurrecting their season, went from 2-10 and 10 to getting to the conference finals. Uh, but when push came to shove, he couldn't play against the Denver Nuggets. And the, the Wolves knew that he couldn't play in, in some of these series where they needed more spacing secretly quietly he's a great offensive rebounder not a great defensive rebounder unbelievable defender overall versatility being able to guard multiple positions but limitations that kept him from being used deeper in the playoffs and and the wolves kind of saw that and also when you bring in rudy gobert it's like how are we going to play vanderbilt and gobert at the same time it just wasn't going to happen so um so you know again that that player just not not as big of a loss maybe as it it felt like initially. Um, and then D'Lo. Like, D'Lo is a good player, is a talented player, I will say. He has all sorts of talent. And he, uh, but he is a super inconsistent player. He will win games for you and he will lose games for you. And there was a lot of celebration among the Laker fans when he played well in a few games. And... Um, and and scored a bunch and hit a bunch of shots and how the heck did the wolves let him get away? Boy, are we lucky! And then they found out um, what always happens with D'Lo throughout his career is that he's a prone to these slumps and these inconsistencies, and um, that you know there are going to be times where you can't go to him because he will not get back in transition on defense, and if his shot isn't falling. Uh, he has a harder time impacting the game in a positive w- way. And so um, all the, so all of those players who left, you know, they had their they, they had they had huge parts in a really memorable season for the wolves. But for a team that wanted to take the next step, they saw reasons that all of those players might not be helping them do that. Now, it's up to them to find the players to do it because let's face it, the Lakers made it further than the Wolves. And now most of that was because of LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but that's what it was. And so now the Wolves have the challenge is to find players that better fit them and will help them go forward because they can't be exactly strutting their chest out when they lost in the first round. And you can't be saying, ha ha D'Lo, uh, ha Vando, but they were in the conference finals. So, um, it's closing that gap on the Lakers is going to be a huge task for them this summer. 
More to come from the Aquarius Home Services studio. Let's thank TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR-TIME. All you need to know is if you're injured, call 612-TSR-TIME. They will take care of you, and they will not charge you unless they win your case. And guess what? They win a lot of cases. That's why everybody knows what TSR Injury Law is. 612-TSR-TIME. Let's hear about Head Flyer Brewing now. Headflyer Brewing, Northeast Minneapolis, right now selling Crunch Time, our our collaboration with Talk North and myself and Headflyer. It's a it's a wheat beer, citrus wheat beer, kind of a blue moon style. You don't even need to put the orange in it. It it just is that refreshing um, as is pouring it right out of a can that you can get at Headflyer. Order it on tap from Dan or one of the many great bartenders at Headflyer. Sit outside on the patio. We finally have great weather. Um, and you can have a couple of those and and feel good and and just soak in the sun. Uh, so crunch time. It's our collaboration. It's got my name on the can. It's crazy to say, um, but you can get that. You can get any number of IPAs, of seltzers, of all sorts of different kinds of beers. Any kind of flavor, any kind of style of beer that you want. Um, head, stop into Head Flyer in Northeast Minneapolis. They will take care of you. Great T-shirts. Great hats, great swag, but the most importantly, just some of the very best beer around. I've been going there for years and years. And stop in there, tell them John Krasinski sent you, and enjoy a crunch time uh, and uh, and soak in the sun. There's a lot to worry about when running a business. Your utility bill shouldn't be at the top of that list. Solar energy cuts down on unpredictable utility costs, making your job just a little easier. Find out more about how your business can go solar at allenergysolar.com slash learn. All Energy Solar panel installations are done right and made easy thanks to more than 14 years of experience in Minnesota and beyond. Visit allenergysolar.com slash coach for your free solar evaluation. Now let's hear from John on Manscaped. Playoffs? Are you talking about playoffs? That's right. The playoffs are here and your friends at Manscaped are here too. And they're making sure your balls are as kissable as the Stanley Cup. Whether you're an NBA or NHL guy, you'll want to give your nuggets the best clippers to rid them of pubes and help them see the summer sun. Don't let your little devils go wild. Use the Lawnmower 4.0 and get your boys as smooth as jazz. You can have the balls of kings by going to manscaped.com and using the code ATHLETIC for 20% off plus free shipping. Manscaped is the champion of men's grooming. You know why they call their staple product the Performance Package 4.0? Because it's the best way to get your body ready for elite playoff level performance this full package is stacked with the best of the best it all starts with the lawnmower 4.0 these lawnmower 4.0s are the greatest pube warriors they make body hair removal as easy as a steph curry three-pointer the lawnmower 4.0 doesn't only make you easy on the eyes but it's easy on your skin with its skin safe technology that reduces your playoff list nicks and cuts Manscaped has been working hard and brewing up the new and improved Weed Whacker 2.0. With a better shape and motor, there's no question the Weed Whacker 2.0 for nose and ear is the most improved player of the year. This kit also has balm, shampoo, conditioner, and oils you need to keep presentable and comfortable through the push and the trimmer you need when it's finally time for a cut. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code athletic at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code athletic at manscaped.com. So the Nuggets and the Heat will be playing, I'm going to presume that the Nuggets and the Heat will be playing in the NBA Finals. Uh, We have a lot of Minnesota connections. Tim Connolly put together this Nuggets team. Kevin Love and Jimmy Butler, not in that order, are, uh, are helping the Heat 
to the finals. I find these two organizations to be fascinating. Uh, and Connolly gets lots of the credit for what they're doing. I think they're two great coaches. I think Spolster might be as good as anybody in any, at any level of basketball anywhere in the world. I love the way Malone coaches. I think one thing Chris Finch could learn from Malone is if something's going wrong, call the timeout right away and fix it right away. Don't assume your team's going to fix it in the course of play. Um, he's also, of course, Malone also has maybe this, you know, Spolster and Malone also have two of the smartest most versatile players in the league in Butler and Jokic to run their stuff on the court, which helps too. But what do you make? Let's start with the Nuggets. What do you make of what they built and how they built it? Yeah, look, it's one of the really impressive building jobs, you know, in the NBA in quite some time because um, they have done it in a market that for whatever reason, because Denver is an unbelievable city, but for whatever reason, uh, it has never been a free agent destination. Uh, so they have built through the draft, through trades, uh, getting Aaron Gordon, you know, those things. Um, and and they've done it by using a patience that is uncommon in professional sports. And I think Miami ties into this a little bit as well. But, um, you know, they stuck with Mike Malone as the, as the head coach, even when you know, it, he didn't make the playoffs for the first three years when they lost in game 82 to the Timberwolves, you know, it, it a few years ago, but it feels like, you know, 20 years ago now. Um, they stuck with the Jokic-Murray uh, core and, and and figuring out how to build best around them. And, and in this era where you make firings really quickly where you where you trade guys that you don't like right away. Um, their ability to sort of withstand the pressure to go a different direction has led them to this moment. And look, you know, Tim Conley's taken a lot of criticism for the work that he's done here with Minnesota in his first season. Um, and a lot of people I've heard say, oh, well, you, you get lucky with Jokic in the second round, and that's all he did in Denver. No, that's not all he did in Denver. He traded for Aaron Gordon. He drafted Jamal Murray when Tibbs did not draft Jamal Murray. Uh, he drafted Michael Porter Jr. when there were a lot of people who said, absolutely no way, I'm not touching that back uh, injury that he came with. Uh, there's there's no possible way. He, he took Michael Porter Jr. He... Um, just he made so many uh, important kind of side moves and tertiary moves to build the roster up to get it to be successful. And then Cal Booth, who also has Timberwolves ties, made some great moves to to put him over the hump with Bruce Brown, uh, and, you know, and with Christian Brown drafting him, like and getting the final pieces in place. But um, Connolly's, uh, you know, talent, eye for talent, um, both in you know identifying the right coaches identifying the right executives like Cal Booth he brought Cal in from Minnesota several years ago um certainly with the players in the draft and and it, both in the first round and in the second round um he he deserves a lot of credit for for what he's built there and uh I do think that there is a corollary here to to Minnesota in terms of there was a lot of angst around Chris Finch this year. A lot of angst around Connolly, but I think that if the Wolves, the Wolves' best foot forward is stability and continuity and keeping smart people who both Connolly and Finch are smart in place and going forward that way. And 
um, resisting the urge to make knee-jerk changes right away. Um, I think this this organization has made knee-jerk changes over and over again, and it hasn't gotten them anywhere. So um, Denver, by virtue of sticking together and not bowing to those temptations, um, is where they are and going for a championship and is going to be the heavy favorite to win the title um, against Miami, presumably, even if Boston were to somehow stage a miracle comeback and come and get there, they, Denver would be favored to win it. So uh, it's it's a truly one of the great success stories of the modern NBA is the Denver Nuggets. And if they can finish this job, it'll be one of the more improbable rises to uh, to, to championship contention status that that we've seen. Next week, let's get deeper into Jimmy Butler and Kevin Love. Uh, for today, let's get a final thought. Once again, thanks to Brandon Morton. Thanks to TSR Injury Law, Head Flyer Brewing, All Energy Solar, Manscaped. We're again coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studio. The best way to listen to this podcast or any show you like on our network, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. You can always also go to TalkTorque.com, see all of our shows, our archives, check everything out, check out our sponsors. We do appreciate it. John, final thought. Yeah, I think ne- you know next week will be a good a good time, presumably, uh, after the Heat finish off the Celtics, to really have a little history lesson on what happened here between Jimmy and the Timberwolves. Um, I think you know, you're seeing a lot of the discourse uh, as Jimmy has had in a phenomenal playoffs again um, for the Miami heat and saying, well, you know, the Timberwolves just chose cat and Wiggins over him and that was it. And they were idiots and stuff like it's not that simple. There's a lot more details to get into. We can do that next week, but for now I'm going to close by just saying, I'm really happy for Ryan Saunders. He, um, yep. he is a, you know, an assistant um, on, on the Denver Nuggets staff. He is, kind of in charge of the defense there. He and David Adelman are two sons of coaches along with Michael Malone who have heard plenty of times throughout their career that the only reason they are where they are is because of who their dads were. And both of them have helped build that Denver coaching staff into one of the best in the league, one of the most prepared in the league. And yes, they are going to the championship because they have Jokic and Murray, but the way that Ryan and David Adelman have helped shape that the strategy um, for those teams, uh, for this team in these series to just really take apart their opponents the way that they have. They deserve credit and they deserve mention. And we talked a lot in their Vikings podcast about Leslie Frazier and the way that he handled things um, as as a coach here. Uh, the way that Ryan handled things was nothing but with dignity. Um, even in the face of, of, of failure. And, and so, uh, I think he deserves props and he deserves, I think some good tidings heading his way from Timberwolves land because, uh, they're in the finals and flip never made the, made the finals. Um, and, 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 and Ryan is there now. And that's a pretty, pretty cool thing. I'll save uh, my Spolstra commentary for next week. I would just say that, uh, the Celtics are proof that the NBA is about way more than talent, depth, and even experience. Uh, If you don't coach well, if you don't play hard, if you don't play with certainty and a plan and an ability to execute that plan, you'll get your butt kicked in this league. That's all there is to it.